Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Welcome, everybody, to Sparking Wholeness. I'm Erin Carey, and I'm super excited about our special guest today. This is Melissa D. Arabian. She naturally connects with today's diverse families to offer unique yet relatable food and lifestyle solutions that are part of a bigger story about how to eat well, be a mindful consumer, and spend with purpose. The Arabian won season five of the Next Food Network Star, subsequently hosted $10 Dinners, and is a New York Times bestselling author of $10 Dinners, 140 Recipes, and Tips to Elevate Simple, Fresh Meals Any Night of the Week. Melissa and her family live just outside San Diego. So Melissa, thank you so, so much for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's my joy to be here. So thank you. Yeah, this is great. I really want to dive into your book, Tasting Grace, because it's different from what you have written in the past. So kind of tell us a little bit about this book and why you decided to write a book that explores the connection between God and food. So I'll start by saying that Tasting Grace is the book that nobody asked me to write. And by that, I mean, really, nobody was asking me to write about um, that intersection of food and faith. But as a, um, as a mom of four young girls who were quickly becoming teenagers, um, and as a woman myself who's struggled in various ways with uh, food and its role in my life and the role of healthy eating versus diet culture, and as a... Um, as a human being in this country um, and you know, the recipient of all these mixed messages. And then also as somebody who works in food and makes my um, living um, writing about food and, and working with food and loving food, um, I felt like I was in this whirlwind of mixed messages um, and I couldn't quite reconcile all these messages. And, and for me, you know, I'm in this space where, uh, you know, we, we look at our culture today and we're sort of in this weird mix of, you know, people won't eat a tomato because there's too much sugar in it, right. but then we'll have this bright blue sports drink that has, you know, tons of chemicals and no natural colors in it and, but no calories and no sugar. So we'll drink that in the name of health. And I, I could not quite reconcile all these kind of crazy mixed messages that are out there. And for me, when I'm in that whirlwind of, I don't know what end is up, I have to fix my eyes on something um, solid. And for me, that is God. So I, I said to myself, I know what society is saying about food. And by the way, I include myself in society. I know what I am saying about food. I'm very aware of that, about having a voice in the food space. But what is God saying about food? Mm-hmm. And so I uh, wrote Tasting Grace, um, not because someone said, hey, you're a Christian and you're in food. Why don't you write a book about you know, Christian food? Um, <laughs> it, that, it, that wasn't it. it. It really came from me saying, I need to, I need to figure out where, where, where I land on this. And, um, 
and, and bring God into the conversation about food. Because for me, the food conversation was really driven by what society, mm-hmm. including myself, and I say myself, meaning, you know, the, you know, the world of food media. Um, the, the, I, I was letting society and culture drive what I was thinking about food mm. and I wanted to look and see what God was saying about food. And, and the good news that I discovered is that God has so much good news about food. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I kind of expected almost to feel guilty, like, oh, I'm doing it all wrong. And by I, I mean like all of society, we're getting it all wrong mm-hmm. and, and shame on us. And, and the good news is it was all good news. So, um, so that, that's, that's why I wrote Tasting Grace because I wanted to uh, bring that experience of reevaluating food in sort of my own life, if you will. Um, I wanted to have that conversation. I started to think, well, um, if not me, then who? Who else yeah. is writing about that? Yep. And, and so, um, so I wrote about it. Um, and my hope was that it would start conversations. Mm-hmm. And my hope was that it would bring joy and hope around food to a lot of other folks who might be feeling kind of some stress about food from a variety mm-hmm. of different perspectives, whether that be, you know, um, how we're obtaining our food and, and, you know, and, and our sourcing to um, how we're feeling when we look at a magazine and see you know, bikinis that we could never pull off ourselves when we go to the beach. So, um, and everywhere in between, mm-hmm. um, that's why I wrote Taste and Grace. I wrote it because um, I needed to write it. I needed to do the, the, the work of it. And, um, and that's, that was really the genesis of Tasting Grace. I love that. And I think, you know, you say you needed to write it. I needed to read it. And I know many other people who will benefit from that because there is so much noise about food and there's so many rules and there are the do's and the don'ts and the, you know, all of that. And I feel like this brought a very gracious, balanced perspective. I truly like, as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh my goodness, like I, I have not been grateful enough for what I have, right? Like I, I'm constantly, it's the striving, it's the, oh, it needs to be better, it needs to be this. And this for me, and I know for many people in my community, we're trying to make this a year of rest. And that's what this book is doing. It's giving me a rested perspective of this is what God is desiring for us in regards to food. And I, and I don't know, I just, you just did that so well. And so tell me, you must have gone through a long journey to get to that place. So I would love to know a little bit about your relationship um, with food growing up and, you know, with Food Network and where you're at now and how has that evolved over time? Oh, there's so much that you said that I love. So first of all, I just want to call it out because I love it and I want to remember it. The rested perspective. Um, What a beautiful idea. Um, and you know that rest. Um, so I'm going to talk about that just for a second. Okay, because, yeah, go with uh, it because yeah. that's so beautiful. Um, in fact, just I just as you know, got back from Bible study, which is why we had to push <laughs> this back a smidge. But um, we were just talking in Bible study today about how um, in Jesus's life we really only know about really three years of it. Three years right, of it was like right. the juicy part, right? Mm-hmm. So less than 10%. So 90% or a little bit more than 90% of Jesus's work was done in, in hidden spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and this idea that hidden space 
isn't wasted time. And indeed, it may even be sacred and mm. wonderful and beautiful and transformative and valuable and something to cherish, I think is... Um, is extraordinary. And if we're going to, um, you know, as a Christian woman, I want to look to Jesus's life as, as a model, right? And so when I think about how much God worked um, in those hidden spaces in the 90%, mm. I think um, it, it really um, shaped the perspective or shaped my perspective on the four years, yes, four years it took me to write Tasting Grace um, because most of it was in the hidden time. The actual pen to Mm. paper or, you know, whatever fingertips to, to keyboard um, took a more normal amount of time. It took, you know, you know, a little under a year um, to do it with the, the, you know, with the versions and the drafts and whatever. So the actual writing was, was not that long, Um, but it takes what it takes. And so I want to just call that out as um, encouragement um, for anybody out there who's in a season of hidden work mm. because um, it can be so fruitful. And, and I know that that when I um, was uh, listening to this in Bible study and, and, and listening to my, uh, my girlfriend share about it, I know that for me that also informed um, my time parenting because mm-hmm. parenting can feel like hidden work, yep. can't it? Um, and there's such beauty in it. It's not, um, it's not wasted time and it's not non-living time. Like I think that for me, there was even a part of me that felt like, um, you know, like I think about when I was like breastfeeding and, and, you know, had four babies and diapers and, um, or the, the few years it took me to write Tasting Grace where it was hidden time. I almost felt like I can't wait to get through this so that I can get back to life. And what I'm hearing from or understanding uh, from looking at Jesus's life is that hidden time is life too. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I share this about uh, about tasting grace taking so long um, because it was it was the hidden time and that sacred and beautiful. And so um, you said rested perspective, and that that immediately brought that out. That I wanted to share that. Um, rested perspective um, can be so, um, so lovely. So um, yeah. that's what I, that's what I took out of your question, which I know is actually not what your question <laughs> no, was. No, that was really great though. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me what piece of your question I have not answered and I will circle back and answer that <laughs> just, piece more, more quickly. I promise. <laughs> just, no, I mean, and it relates to everything you said, the, just the fact that this process took you four years. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously this has been something that's grown in you over time. So I guess the question was about your relationship with food growing up right into, I know you talked a lot about Paris, which I was probably drooling during those pages, Mm -hmm. your descriptions of the food in Paris and all that. And like what your mother-in-law made, I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like I'm, I'm determined. I'm going to make a pie crust now. I'm determined. You, you, can, do, me. you can totally but, do it. You yeah, can like, totally do it. Can't be hard. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 So let's, so let's talk about that for a second. Um, uh, because yeah, you, you bring up, you know, my, uh, my experiences and with, with food and, and, um, and that's tasting grace, actually sort of the first version of tasting grace mm-hmm. was really kind of more textbook, like theological <laughs> textbook than it was anything else. Um, and, um, and which is a book I would love to read, but <laughs> not a book that most people want to read on an yeah. airplane. Um, and, um, so I sort of, 
step back and sort of say, hmm, you know, when we want to uh, share about something, the best way to do that is through story and through example. And I also thought, listen, it, um, this, um, you know, the, the meat of this, um, the you know the theology, the rethinking how God wants us to think about mm-hmm. food and and that reshaping, um, it really came from um, and kind of was expressed through my various food experiences. So mm-hmm. in the book, you know that's why some chapters are kind of funny, some yeah, are yeah. Um, you know aspirational, like you think about. Um, you know, the food in Paris and sort of, like, oh, you know, those, mm-hmm. those, those markets and going into the, the fruit market and to the, you know, to the meat market. And, um, so there's, there's that element. There's, um, you know, the, the element of the chapter where I talk about, um, you know, the behind the scenes of being on Food Network Star. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of yeah. fun because who doesn't love to pull the curtain back on, right. on yeah. you know, on celebrity and whatever in that, in that kind of world. Um, you know, but then there are also more tender chapters. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned the chapter that I talk about. Um, well, you mentioned my childhood and, and, um, and probably my most tender chapter was the chapter about um, being hungry and finding out mm-hmm. in the school lunchroom that that's, that was really where I became aware of the, um, the social, the socioeconomic hierarchy that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that you are more aware of when you're um, at the bottom of it. You're probably less aware of it and mm-hmm. pro- can probably either ignore it more easily or even deny that it exists when you're at the top. Yeah. Um, and so there's a, there's a chapter that was very tender for me uh, to write about, about being hungry in the classroom. Um, you know, I talk about my mom's suicide mm-hmm. and, um, and how that, um, how food, um, and the people with food sort of lured me gently out of that grief mm-hmm. and helped me reconcile mm-hmm. some elements there. So, um, there are definitely some deeper, um, chapters. Um, and then there are the stories that are a little bit more fun and, you know, that get you wanting to go to Paris or go live in the mm-hmm. South of France for a year. Um, and my, my thinking there was one, it, would, it, it helped me sort of by doing this research, if you will, this theological research and mm-hmm. this reading and the praying, the praying and, and the, the marinating in God's word for several years. Um, I literally wrote this book at 530 in the morning over a period of several years, um, just getting up and praying just, and, and most of it wasn't mm-hmm. reading. Most of it was, you know, just with me and my Bible, um, yeah. a cup of coffee, um, every morning. Um, but by doing that, what happened was, I was, I revisited my food stories Mm. and suddenly I had a perspective, a lens through which, a biblical lens, a theological lens through which to look back at my experience as a child in Mm. the, in the lunchroom, to look back at my experience as um, a contestant on Food Network Star, my experience living in Paris. And suddenly my theological uh, marinating informed all these stories, um, these touch points of, of food and, and unbeknownst to me at the time, God through food throughout my life, that it changed 
those, um, those stories for me and put them into different perspective. And my hope is that one, the stories will make it enjoyable enough to read through the book and to, you know, the, to be the sizzle to the steak, you know, the spoonful <laughs> of sugar to the medicine, as it were, if there's, you know, um, sort of a, um, an analogy to use. But my hope is that beyond just finding it interesting to read about behind the scenes at Food Network Star, that, that this will, that Tasting Grace will reinform the reader's own food memories and they'll suddenly see, oh, okay, when my grandmother did this, you know, mm-hmm. this was what was going on. That was actually an invitation into, you know, into connection or into, you know, so it, my hope is that people will be reading Taste and Grace and will be thinking about their own food stories um, as they read. That's my hope. My hope is, and it's perhaps a big hope, but I, I don't think, I don't think it's, I don't think it's too big for God. Um, it's probably too big for me as an author um, or as a writer, but it's not too big for God. My hope is that after reading Tasting Grace, that the next meal you have will be different in that you won't be able to help yourself but see some invitations in that next bite of food, whether it be a bite of a granola bar or mm-hmm. a farm-to-table, gorgeous, lovely, full meal. Wherever mm-hmm. it may be on that spectrum, my hope is that your next bite of food will bring you some invitation that you hadn't felt or seen before in food. And that's, that's my hope for Tasting Grace. I love that. And I, I definitely think, I know for me, you accomplished that. <laughs> um, and so can you share a little bit about those invitations? Um, maybe give away like a, a few of maybe your favorite yeah. ones or because yeah. each chapter is a different invitation. And I, and it really is, it's very, I, I, I don't know about a good word to use. It's soothing in a way. Like there's something just soothing about reading it and going, it, it was worshipful. And I know that sounds mm-hmm. like that might even be very a grandiose way to describe it, but the way you speak about food is worshipful and those invitations mm-hmm. were all worshipful. And I, and I know, you know, like you're, that was very intentional for you. And I, I love that. And I don't think we do that enough because we separate our relationship with God, with our food relationship, with our, you know, like we compartmentalize mm-hmm. a lot of things and you just blended it all together. So mm-hmm. I'd love to hear a little bit about those invitations, maybe your favorite ones or, or why you even did it that way. I'd love to know. Yeah. Yes. And I'm, um, and I love what you said about worshipful, um, that, you know, food, everything can be part of our worship to God. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the tricky part about society is sometimes then we start, we end the sentence at worship and next thing you know, we're actually worshiping yeah. the creation and not the creator. Yeah. Um, and, and these invitations are really meant to point the, um, point the spotlight on, mm-hmm. on, onto God and, and not onto food. Um, and so I love that recognition. Um, yeah, let's talk about the invitations for a second. So as I was going through this, um, you know, again, nobody said, Hey, why don't you write a book about what God is inviting? Here are the, here are 16 invitations. Why don't you write about them? Um, and by nobody, I mean, not even me. I didn't even know what, I didn't Mm -hmm. know what I was going to find. I just knew I needed to find it. And so in the, the reading of 
the word and the prayer and, and, and the marination and then the writing of my own kind of stories and sort of saying, what, what, what do I know about food? And, and I'm sort of blending all that in. I realized that nowhere in the Bible was the guilt language that we have so much in society. There was a lot yes. about, a lot of what we talk about food in society. Um, I could not find God talking about food. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I couldn't find, I couldn't find anything that talked about food in a lot of the same ways we talk about food um, and the way we treat food and the way mm-hmm. we think of food and the way we relate to food. Um, and in fact, I found that food was being used in so many ways to draw us closer to God. And yet we use food in so many ways to push ourselves away from God and mm. to separate. So, you know, as I'm going through this, I'm distilling it down that food is meant to unite to each other, to earth, to God. And we are using a society food in it to divide sometimes in very subtle ways. And I'll give you an example. Um, you know, we talk about like hospitality, um, which is one of the invitations, invitation mm-hmm. and hospitality. We talk about hospitality. Uh, well, let's back up. The Bible talks about hospitality as welcoming and a stranger. And we see, you know, mm-hmm. many examples of hospitality, you know, starting with Genesis and, and Abraham and, um, and inviting in um, the, you know, the angels unbeknownst to, uh, to Abraham. And, um, and it's, you know, and it's this worthy work of preparing the stew and, and sort of dropping what he's doing to make me feel welcome and to, um, and, and to do the worthy work of welcoming people in. Okay, mm. so that's hospitality. Great. Um, it, it's about service, right? Mm-hmm. Hospitality for us has become about performance. And yep. we see that in subtle ways when we say things like, and I say we, I bring up an example of something I have said so that, um, so that we know that this is, this is pretty um, subtle but, um, but important um, in its distinction in, in the language. We'll say things like, oh, impress your friends with this easy recipe. <laughs> your friends will think you spent hours in the kitchen and it will be so quick. Um, Language like impressing your friends is language of dividing mm-hmm. and of separation. It's one of saying in a very subtle way, I get it. It's subtle, but directionally important and significant. But when we say impress your friends with this recipe, impress means that I want to be on a pedestal, a slight pedestal above my friends, that I want them to come into my home mm-hmm. and think, oh, wow she is cool or at minimum, gosh, she's a very talented cook or gosh, what a great hostess or, oh, wow, she spent hours in the kitchen when really she only spent 30 minutes or whatever, whatever it is. (laughs) It's the language of deception and of division. And, and that sounds like, oh, an innocuous thing. Oh, impress your friends. But, but it matters what we say matters. Yep. We start to believe what we say. So this is a great example of food culture not matching up with what I found to be theological Eden. And, and the best way I could describe it, at first I sort of thought um, I considered these um, theological eating 
it's stories or uh, I, I thought of them as lessons. So mm-hmm. my first set of language was like lessons. Now that, but it's not really, there's no admonition. There's no, you're doing it wrong. There's no guilt over it. I did it. Lessons felt like the wrong word. And the best I could describe it was an invitation that we are missing. Yeah. And so there's no, oh, shoot, I did it wrong. I should have been doing it this way all along. No, the invitation is still there. The mm-hmm. invitation is present and available for us to lean into. So those invitations um, include the invitation into hospitality. It, there's an invitation into patience. You know, and I, I bring up patience as an example of an invitation because it's something that we as a society have considered to be a flaw of the food system. Mm-hmm. And yet I wonder if perhaps it's a feature that we are so quick to ignore. And maybe yeah. if we reframe it as an invitation, we'll see its beauty. Um, we are invited into delight. What good news. God made juicy, sweet peaches for a reason. God did not have to make the world delicious, and yet he did. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we walk around feeling guilty because <laughs> we enjoy something yeah. sweet. That's our palate. That's how it was made. Now, mm-hmm. the fact that we have adulterated our palate and exploited our palate and created <laughs> this world where we're having sweet blue drinks that are impossibly sweet so that we don't, and we don't have the calories that go with it. That's, that's our doing. That's us. Yeah, that's yeah. all on us. God uh-huh. didn't do that. So yeah. that's sort of a different, uh, you know, that's just to, just to <laughs> clarify, there are, there yeah. are limits to the sweetness. Um, but the invitation into delight, into the joy. So the, this, um, this idea that there are these invitations and there are more than 16, I explore 16. Um, but there are 16 invitations that I explore that I sort of say, hmm, you know, maybe in my next meal, I can lean into the delight and be in a posture of gratitude rather than a posture of, of guilt or, yeah. or worse or of entitlement. You know, I, I should be able to have this, you know, whatever. So it's um, Tasting Grace is meant to be really all good news. The invitations are still there. You know, we, we, you know, it's like, you know, the, the saying, when we know better, we do better. Mm-hmm. The invitations are there. It's not, it's not meant to be a, an admonition at all. It's yeah. meant to be an opportunity um, going forward. Yeah. And one of the, I actually highlighted one of the things you said in the invitation to delight, you said, God who knows the number of hairs on my head is definitely wise enough to create the food that will best nourish my body and keep it healthy. And I love that because it's like, duh, you know, like an, it shouldn't have to be a duh moment, <laughs> but it is. And we've changed it. Like with everything we do, we've made food this thing. And I, yeah. I love that you brought it back yeah. to the basics. That's so huge. Um, and you even kind of talked a little bit about why you hate, um, terms like, like guilt-free and uh, phrases, guilt-free eating or guilt-free desserts or whatever. You, you kind of alluded to that. And then, um, what was the other, you didn't, yeah, just the whole, this is a good food. This is a bad food. I don't know. And like you said, that doesn't show up in school. Where does God say that? Like he says, taste and see that it's good, right? Like this is mm-hmm. when I look at, cause I've been on my own journey, looking at different scriptures in the Bible about food and it's about enjoying food with Thanksgiving and that gratitude piece. 
is so missing from what we talked. You referenced Proverbs 15, 17 a few times. It's like, it's better to have vegetables with a good friend than a steak with somebody you hate, or that's the Aaron version. Mm -hmm. I don't know that. <laughs> like, that's my quick version, but it, like, that's so true. Like we need to be enjoying meals with people and enjoying what we have and being grateful for it. And you really, you, you took a complicated topic and you just brought us back to the basics. And I really appreciated that mm. so much. Um, is, is there anything else? I know I wanted to ask you real quickly. I know you're a big advocate for um, suicide prevention, mm -hmm. uh, mental health. Can you share a little bit about that before we run out of time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I write about, um, I write about um, losing my mom to suicide. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that, that was actually a um, a hard chapter to write, not, I don't mean emotionally hard, although obviously that's an emotional thing to talk about. Um, but it was a, it was a hard chapter to write because, um, mental health and emotional well-being and all that is, is such a complicated topic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, um, I didn't want to write a book about me and food and God connecting to me um, without, without talking about that because mm. um, food and mental health are, are, are linked in so many ways. Um, and, and for me, a lot of it was in the healing of coming out of that, mm. of the grief of losing my mom um, and sort of reconciling um, some of those elements of um, mental health and, and of course the loss of, you know, in, in suicide loss and, and the journey that gets one to, um, to suicide. So those are all really complicated issues and it's very hard to pull one out and really just talk about just that. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, it's like, um, you know, when you have Christmas tree hooks, you know, at the bottom of your, box of Christmas decorations, you know, like you, you go to pull one hook and like the whole bunch comes with it because they're all so stuck together. And so it's impossible to pull out just one hook, which is why I recommend just buying new hooks every year because they're all so tangled up. But that's that so much, so much of life is, is like that. And, and the topic of food and, and mental health mm -hmm. is kind of like that as well. So it was hard because um, it was hard to know where to draw the margins and where to, what kind of that entry point was. Um, but I will say this, uh, for me, um, the topic of mental health and, and how food related to that and relates to it for me um, really um, came from through the lens of someone dealing, someone in grief mm. and talking about how food really can connect us yeah. uh, to people. The other area which um, food really played its role, um, not, in, not in that exact chapter, but um, in a later chapter, I talk about um, food connecting me to my mom mm. and connecting me to my roots and, um, and sort of understanding my mom a little bit more through her food mm. and, and how that, um, how food gave me um, some insight and empathy into what my mom went through. And then the, you know, the other piece of it that is probably more my daily experience now 
is how food is food really is connected with our you know, our our physical health is connected mm-hmm. to our mental health and to our emotional health yeah. and how um how food can really nourish us yep. <clears throat> and support our our mental well-being so um uh, that that's a that's a big piece of it for me um and looking at this as really from a holistic perspective and by the way god is the umbrella over it all yeah yeah and and how it's not all just separated out it really mm-hmm. is all connected um and so um so i wanted i i couldn't write a book about food without talking about um my experience with the grief of losing my mom to suicide without talking about what that meant, suicide and mental health and um, the Christian space. Um, so I kind of talk about that. And, um, and also the role of food in my own mental health and mm-hmm. my own um, emotional health and how that, that all plays. And, and God is there for all of it. He's mm-hmm. there for all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And he designed us to, that for all these things to be connected, you know, like we, we want to compartmentalize the physical health mm-hmm. with the emotional mm-hmm. and it really is all connected. And, and I love that you bring up that holistic perspective because that is something I'm for my own mental health. Like I, I'm just so passionate about that for healing for people. So I really appreciate that. And I appreciate all the work that you're doing to bring awareness. I think that that's brave work and you being vulnerable, sharing your story. Like we need more voices out there. And so I, I appreciate that. Um, let's see, where can people get your book? Where can, where can people learn more about you and find out what you're doing and get your recipes and all that good stuff? Yeah, I would love, I would love to, uh, to hear from your, um, from your listeners. Um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, all of my handles are Melissa D Arabian okay. um, without the apostrophe because you can't have apostrophes and handles. So yeah, right. um, <laughs> Melissa D Arabian. Um, my, um, my website is melissadarabian.net. And I actually send out, I send out an email every Friday um, or most Fridays um, unless it's like a holiday or I'm sick or something. Um, I say that because I didn't go out last Friday because it was a holiday and I was sick. Oh, um, no. But um, yeah, so there's, uh, there's an email that I send out. And a fun little fact about my email is um, if you reply to that email, um, it actually comes to my phone. That was sort of a mistake a oh. couple of years ago. Like, you know, my <laughs> newsletter, I set it up wrong. And so I was like, wait, why am I getting all these responses? And oh I'm like, my gosh. I'm like, this is not sustainable. But then I like, I started replying to people and it actually was ended up being fun. So uh, people said, what's the best way to get a hold of you? I'm like the best way is sign up for my newsletter and then reply to my newsletter because it comes oh, to wow. my phone. Wow. And then I'm like, oh, hi, Susie. Nice to see you. Uh, anyway, but that's, a, sort that's of like, so funny little way to get a hold of me um and so that's my website and um and i also have um, a website where i sell um you can find it on my website but i'm um, also um for the number four like the actual number four four women partners.com is um, actually where you can get signed books for me okay. so you can get books at amazon or whatever but if you mm-hmm. want a signed book you got to go to four women partners.com um because those are just books that i then get and then just send them out um if you want to get one like signed or like do like a personalized gift or whatever okay. um so that's there but instagram is a great place to get a hold of me Awesome. Okay. And I will say, I've got to give a shout out to um, the Christmas part uh, to you for making the most wonderful recipe of sesame um, 
peanut noodles. That was oh. at a Christmas party I was at oh. a few weeks ago. This homeschool mom get together. Shout out to the Path Moms for that. Um, but yeah, like it was the best. I'm making it for my family this next week. I thought it was. Oh so yeah, is that tasty. is that the one with like the peanut butter in it? Is that yes? The, because that, it's yes. so hard to find a good peanut sauce that is like yeah. is the perfect mix. And this one. Was. Oh yeah, so, I'm so happy to hear it. Yeah, I like that one too. Now, yeah. now, now I'm thinking maybe that might be my lunch. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. good yeah. Thinking. And it's, everything's on hand. So anyway, yes. thank you so, so much um, for just being on the show and sharing your heart. And yeah, guys, check out her website, check out her Instagram and get the book. I highly recommend it. Thank you again, Melissa, for being on. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.